Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Cast. Today, we have on with us award-winning author, Dean Slider. Dean has taught natural approaches to meditation and awakening since 1970. He is a Force. So amazing. Today we're going to be talking mostly about his book, Fearless, but he has a new book that's just come out, which we'll get to towards the end of the interview. But Dean, we're so excited to have you and to dive into this deep, deep topic of meditation and fear and anxiety and all the things in between. Good. Thanks so much. It's really great to be here. Absolutely. So we uh, wanted to bring you on after I read Fearless because I felt it resonated so much with our show. Our audience is mostly women in our 20s. And I think so many of us in our 20s are kind of living in state of fear and anxiety all the time Mm -hmm. um, because of comparison and the feeling of needing to have it all together and the fear of failure. And so I just thought that you would be a really helpful resource to us. And this book has been extremely helpful to me. So great. That's great. That's great. You're very welcome. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, Dean, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from. Um, If you don't mind saying how old you are since it's roaring 20s. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's just say I was in my 20s uh, 50 years ago, and uh, it's hard for me to believe, you know, my my late first wife used to say age is just a number they make up to scare you. She said it's like the the wind chill factor. So I don't pay a lot of attention to that. And that that's served me well so far. Yeah. So I um, got interested in meditation and awakening very early in my life, uh, largely because of some childhood experiences uh, that happened to me that I think actually happened to a lot of people, maybe most people. What I think most people, if you think back, you'll remember times in childhood when you were, you know, maybe quietly sitting out in the backyard by yourself playing and and just, you know, where time slips away and kind of problems slip away and you just somehow everything very quietly is, is fine for no particular reason. Um, and that is a glimpse into, you know, when you hear the sages talking about enlightenment and awakening, and it can sound so exotic and far away, particularly because just historically, a lot of the the texts on that were written in the East. So we've got, you know, exotic sounding words for it in Sanskrit and Tibetan, but it's about just that, just that falling into your self kind of fall, settling back into, you know, everyone has the simplest thing in the world, a sense of being I, right? You know that when, when you use the word I, and I use the word I, we're, we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and if we think about it for a moment, we realize, but, well, wait a minute, it's not the body, because the body that I had when I was five years old is not the one that I have now. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow, it's not a different I experiencing it. There's this, there's this through line, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the the mind, the thoughts. But wait a minute, the thoughts I have now are different. Mm-hmm. The it can't be the emotions. The emotions I was having 10 minutes ago are not the ones I'm having now. So we eliminate everything else and we wind up with, well, I is just this awareness. I is, is very simply, it's that which is aware of all the stuff that changes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff that changes has its ups and downs and its interactions. And it's, as you suggested, being judged by other people and worrying about making it and all that. That's all, that's all like the waves on the surface of, of our life. And those, those have to be there. But what all the sages taught, put very simply, is that beneath those waves, beneath the changing, tossing waves, there's an ocean of silence. And that is actually I, that is what you are in your essence, Mm -hmm. and that you don't have to make it silent. It's always silent. You don't have to flatten out all the waves on the surface, fortunately, because no one can do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like you're really trying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Every Everyone tries. And then, of course, when they go to meditation, they think, uh, oh, meditation is just some kind of ultimate form of flattening out all the waves on the mm. surface of my mind. And that's when you hear uh, people say, well, I tried to meditate, but it was really hard. Oh, now, yeah, we're going to dig into that in a little yes, bit. <laughs> right. Because the moment you say, I tried to meditate, I know what that means. That's the part where I stop listening because, right. uh, because whatever you say next will be irrelevant. <laughs> Essentially, you were trying one way or another to you know take a big paddle and flatten out all the waves. And it doesn't work. All it does is stir up the water more. And so this is the catch 22 of, of meditation. Any effort to create a non-agitated state of mind is actually a form of agitation. So, so it doesn't work. So I was fortunate that early in my life, I ran into teachers who explained this clearly and said, no, don't try to still your mind. Don't try to clear your mind. Don't try to get rid of thoughts. Here's how do you do essentially the opposite, this non-trying, this letting be, this letting go. And then gravity, we could say, takes over. And the gravity that takes over is this natural gravitation that we all have all the time. In every moment, everything we do, we're really looking for that, that thing we experience in that childhood moment, that, ah, that's just everything's okay, which is here inside all the time. You know, in the, in the Gospels, this is the kingdom of heaven is within you, mm -hmm. right? Same thing. Buddha says, out there is samsara, confusion in here is, is nirvana, which literally means blown away. All the craving, the dissatisfaction, the worry, the anxiety, just whew, blown away, right? So because we're always looking for it, if we let it, gravity pulls us within. So that's what I do. I teach people how to do that. Uh, before COVID, I was um, actually hosting live in-person meditation sessions and doing a lot of workshops around the country. These days, I offer it on Zoom. Uh, I'm, I'm going to hope that you'll be posting my website. Absolutely. Excellent. Because through my website, they can get an, into the Zoom sessions, which are free, open to everyone. And uh, so that's what I do. And I write books. And, uh, and I zip around Santa Monica on my Vespa. <laughs> and I play my ukulele. <laughs> this is I my life. That. I love that. And I just, I think that there's so much like positivity to share just about your story in general and really everything that you already encompass in the book, which we're going to dive into, of course. But I really do think that a lot of us have this idea that like sitting in silence or just feeling at peace or any of that stuff feels so overwhelming and so difficult to wrap our heads around. And I feel like we almost try to force it right. versus kind of allowing those things to happen. So something that I just really love, and I really have to just take a moment to compliment you is I think the way that you paint a picture in general of like how to actually feel a feeling, how to sit, how to experience just like all of these beautiful things that we have such a difficult mm -hmm. time doing. You make it feel really tangible. And I think that a big part of our mission is to make our audience feel less alone. And I think that you do that inherently, not just through your words and the ways that you teach to kind of just naturally sink into it. But I think that you just make it feel very possible. Um, I've totally had moments where I'm like, I really, I want to be the quote unquote type of person who meditates. I want to be the type of person who, um, you know, sits in stillness and all the things. But I've, I've struggled with that because I feel like there's always so much going on. So anyway, you make it feel very doable and you make it feel important and impactful. So thank you for all of that. And with hearing a little bit of your story, what actually led you to wanting to put that all into a book? Well, um, first of all, uh, let me just say thank you for for that. Oh, and, and, and yes, I and this is what I hear a lot. And it's pretty much my favorite thing to hear is people saying, Oh, you make it so accessible, you make it so clear, you make it so simple. And, um, and you make it as you say, seem so real and so possible. And there's, there's really two main reasons for that. One is that I've been very, very lucky in my teaching opportunities for 33 years, I got paid to teach English at this fancy pants prep school in New Jersey with smart kids. The, these were high schoolers who were, many of them headed for the Ivy Leagues. And then um, on a volunteer basis, I would get in my car and drive along 
I-78, and if you have spent time in New Jersey, drive east for half an hour to Newark, uh, where I volunteered at Northern State Prison, which is considered the roughest prison in New Jersey. And I would sit with um, guys in maximum security teaching meditation to them. Uh, a lot of them couldn't read. A lot of them had never finished grade school. So the this kind of teaching opportunity helped me see okay what works for people you know how how do you have to state things without dumbing it down still maintaining the the essence of it how do you make it clear to people and how do you keep people entertained when you're doing this for 15 year olds and when you're doing this for guys in maximum security you want to keep people laughing engaged right yeah. keep them engaged and, and and keep them laughing and the other aspect of it is, you know, when you say I make it seem possible is because I've been doing this all my life. And, and my other favorite thing is when people who have no idea what I do, right, no idea that yeah. I'm engaged with meditation mm -hmm. and writing books about it will say something like, uh, you know, they'll spend a little time with me and say, gee, ah, is there something about being around you? I feel like just Ah, breathing out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's not anything I'm trying to do. You know, if, if, if at this point, if the stuff wasn't making me that vividly enough like that, that people, other people would pick up on it, then, you know, I should be asking for a refund at this yeah. point. <laughs> but it is, I mean, your, your energy just, it just is that. And I mean, and, and everyone, and everyone can be like that. Yeah. And it's not being a certain, you know, type of person that Brenda used the, this phrase, because often, especially here in LA, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of posing and a lot yeah. of costuming and a lot of, well, okay, if you get the, these kind of beads and this, this yes. outfit at the, you know, at the gift shop of the, the, of your yoga class, mm -hmm. then you're, then you're living the life. And that's not it. That's, that's way too superficial. Oh, 100%. I think I think sometimes things like meditation and I do yoga and I think they get a bad rep sometimes like the, people think it's this like whole, you know, you have to be this certain type of person in yeah. order to do it yeah. or in order to benefit from it. And it's just so not not yeah. the truth yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the real stuff is not a lifestyle. It's not an attitude. It's not a costume. Yeah. Uh, it's not having, uh, you know, being able to, to trot out all the words in, in Sanskrit and Tibetan, I can do that. You know, I've, I've studied with teachers who teach out of the, the traditions where the texts are all in Sanskrit and Tibetan. And that's been important for me to right. be able to, to know, oh, this is not just something that, you know, somebody made up in, in some workshop in Canoga Park last weekend, uh, but that this has been tried and true. It's been test driven going back thousands of years into India and Tibet, but we're not in India and Tibet. So I reference those words once in a while, just to get like the stamp of, you know, historical approval on them. Exactly. But mostly I teach in, I, I speak in plain American. Yeah, I, and you do. You do make it so accessible and that it really can be for everyone and it should be. But I want to dive into the book a little bit. Right mm -hmm. at the top of the book, there's this quote from Wizard of Oz that like literally stopped me in my tracks. And it's the cowardly lion saying, somebody pulled my tail. And the scarecrow goes, oh, you did it yourself. And I was like, I, for some reason, you know, sir, you can you can hear something a certain way and it resonates. And I right. was like, oh, my God, I'm out here pulling my tail my own yes. tail yes. all the time. And yes. I think so many of us are doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, like just stop pulling your own tail. Yes. But, so it, I, I would love to just talk about that for mm -hmm. a second. And also uh, a question I had is, is there a difference between fear and anxiety? And if so, what is that? Mm -hmm. What is that difference? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, yeah, two excellent questions. And actually they're very closely related. Fear is generally... Um, directed. It's, you know, it's fear of X, Y, or Z. And fear is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, people sometimes mispronounce the title of my book. They say fearless. I say, no, 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 not fearless, fear less, right? I, I, I'm not qualified to write a book called Fearless because I'm not fearless. In fact, I mentioned in the book, uh, the Dalai Lama is not fearless. The Dalai Lama is scared of worms. <laughs> but he laughs when he talks about it. That's the difference, you know. 
all your fears, I say this somewhere in the book, you know, your fears, your anxieties, your addictions, right? And actually, what's the subtitle? Living Beyond Fear, Anxiety, Anger, and Addiction. And, you know, we could have kept going. We sort of ran out of room right. there. We could have said shame, loneliness, comparison. depression, hopelessness. Yeah, the compulsive comparison. Um, uh, you know, it, because it all comes from the same source. It, it, can, it can look very different. Anger and, and um, depression, say, look very different, but ultimately they come from the same place, which is not being plugged into what we were talking about earlier, not being plugged into this inner place of okayness for no reason, right? Yeah. Just this unconditional, ah, this, this every, every place of everything's fine. Of course, on the outside, there's always stuff to deal with. So it's not, again, here again is another one of these misconceptions of, oh, the type of, that a meditator is a person that's just, oh, whatever's, you know, you're, you're just like, you know, blissed oh, out and what, whatever's yeah. going on, oh, the, 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 the toddler has wandered onto the freeway, oh, but it's okay, oh, I'm blissing <laughs> out, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the, the fact of the matter is that when you're really more and more living from that place, you become... A, you become more skillful mm -hmm. at dealing with outer problems because you're more, the, the, the mind is getting this deep rest in your yeah. you know, hopefully once a day meditation and, and you, your whole nervous system is getting to, you know, cool off. It's like an engine that's been running like a car that the engine's been running hot. You get a chance for all the parts to cool off. It's going to drive more efficiently. The second thing is that when your inner okayness is more and more assured, right? More and more, you don't have to approach the outer world and other people as sources of your happiness, as sources of your okayness. And right here, this is, we have to really make a note here, because this is, I'm sure you know, this is a big source of anxiety, especially for people in their 20s. And I don't know, you tell me maybe more so women in their 20s, mm -hmm. which is that my sense of okayness is caught up in the approval of everyone I'm online with, oh, the, approval, oh, yeah. the approval of my boyfriend or the next guy that I'm dating on Tinder, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and boy, that's just that's just an impoverished way to live. It's yeah. like, you know, little Oliver Twist going around with his little cup, yeah. please, sir, I want some more. Now, what yeah. happens through meditation is that more and more by sitting in that place of inner okayness, your cup gets filled up and it mm -hmm. gets to be more, oh, you are what we were saying earlier. You become the person that when you walk into the room, other people feel, ah, yeah. things are better. Things are easier. Things are, are, are simpler. So, so you become without trying to, right. you know, without, um, without making some big noble gesture, you know, it's like the sun, the sun doesn't go, okay, now I'm going to shine on the lake. Now I'm going to shine on the pond. Now I'm going to shine on the tea in the teacup. The, the sun is just being what it is. It's just shining and spontaneously it lights everything up. Oof, that was so beautifully put, my goodness. And I, I really think, you know, like just everybody needs to hear probably every single word that you're saying, <laughs> um, primarily because I think there's this just like overarching understanding throughout your book that, you know, that everybody has something, right? And you use so many different examples for some people it might be coping with alcohol, for some people maybe alluding to coping with food, other people numbing in other ways. There are just so many different aspects. And I just think it really kind of unites us in the sense that everybody has feelings everybody has emotions everybody has things that they might almost feel like are overwhelming to a point where they don't know what to do with it so for you to paint so clearly some tangible tangible tools that we can use in order to kind of provide that sense of relief and replace anything that might be you know destructive um because everybody experiences those things right like yes. guilt shame comparison yes. um whether it's a, a big thing in, in our 20s and I'm sure this is for the rest of our lives but is you know oh I'm not blank enough right I'm not right. pretty enough I'm not right. financially well off enough I am not I don't know in love enough compared to the person next to me whatever it may right. be who and and of course they're all they're, saying this they're all, all saying, saying the, the same, same thing, thing about you yep. 
exactly <laughs> exactly and that is just it's it is so common and it's it's something that we try to address here every single opportunity that we get because you know we want to be myself and julia our friends we want to be those those right those people that walk into a room and create that sense of just like you know the type of person that you want to attract yes, <laughs> um yes, those yes. that just like automatically raise Raise the vibe, if you will. Um, so anyway, with all that being said, you talk a lot about okayness. And I just love that term. Would you yes. mind um, just yes. defining it for our listeners who haven't read your book just yet? Yes, yes. So, so first of all, the good news is you will never be thin enough. You will never be pretty enough. You will never be popular enough. You will never be cool enough. This is the good news because you just, you just give it up right now, yeah. right? <laughs> throw, just, you can just, I know easy, easier for me to yeah. say, right? But, but it works. Yeah, you can, yeah. you can really can just throw that stuff into the fire. Now it does get easier to throw because those are the old indirect ways, the artificial ways that we have tried to find okayness. Yes. Indirectly through other people's approval. Oh my God, that is criteria. the truest that right. statement is just yeah. the truth. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, say, okay, define okayness. It's hard to define, not because it's complicated, but because it's so simple. Mm. It's like, it's like not, it, it's hard to define, not because I don't have enough words for it, but like any, any word that I say is going to be one word too many. Mm, <laughs> it's simpler than that you know what okayness is you've yes. experienced it you've experienced um uh that just that sense of whatever it took usually it's something well here's an example okay here's here's my cup of tea let's say i'm feeling thirsty and i say th- and i oh i re- really like some tea i want some tea things are not okay all my okayness now is is uh, bound up in the T, all my happiness, whatever word we want to use, happiness, okayness, peace, whatever. It's, it's okay, let me, it's getting closer, it's getting closer, here it is. Yeah. Now I'm, yeah. now I'm okay. Yeah. Very simple. Now I'm okay. Now, the, the, so that's fine. The, the mistake comes when we go, gee, that T made me okay, that T made me happy. There must be okayness in the T. Mm. must be happiness and but what happens if we take some some tea and put it on a slide microscope slide and tear it open <laughs> under the electron you know we're going to find hydrogen and carbon and oxygen and you know whatever else is in there guaranteed you will not find a happiness molecule in there you will not find an okayness molecule in there right but we've definitely experienced that okayness so if it's not in the tea there's only one other place it can be and that is inside us so oh look what's going on here the moment i have the tea i'm no longer desiring the tea it's not about tea at all anymore that triggers my it allows me it facilitates my settling back into myself where that okayness was all along. Now, it can be drinking the tea, if you whatever you play golf, you know, the moment that the ball goes into the cup, ah, right, the moment you you whatever you 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 ace your LSAT or whatever it is, you go, ah, and we identify it with the external things. It turns out it's it's it was here all along. And we kept overlooking it, because we kept like leaning forward, what what's the thing that's going to so yeah. what we yeah. do in meditation is settle back and find that place of awe uh, without any intermediary, yes. without needing anything external to trigger it. And then more and more as you, you know, just spend, and it doesn't take a lot of time if you're doing meditating in this effortless way we mentioned at the beginning, not mm-hmm. self-defeating by trying to concentrate and, you know, push out your thoughts and all that, by just allowing gravity to take over. You just, you know, marinate, you bask in that for, you know, 20, 15, 10 minutes a day, something like that. And just more and more, it, it carries over into your life. Yeah. And, and so whatever, whatever false sources of okayness you were investing in, it's, 
it, it, it kind of falls away. You can still do that fine. You're dating, you use the app or, or whatever it is, but the, the desperation yeah. mm. gets drained out of it, oh, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. And that is that, that's the thing. Like you can have the wants and the things and the goals and the dreams. And like, we can even get more into this later, but it, that, that disconnect of the desperation for it because of the idea that if we get that, then we will be okay. Or if we get that, then we will be happy where, whereas it is always just, it's always just in you. It's not, but we have, it's so our culture to just constantly be chasing the next mm-hmm. thing, because we think that it will provide that. But when you're able yes. to remove that piece of it, and like you say, like do things out of love instead of out of fear, yes. it's just yes. so, what's such a better way to live. Yeah. It, oh my God. It's, it's the other way is so much work. Yeah. It's so much. No, you're, you're so right. And I, and we see it honestly, Dean, in so many different areas, like yeah. um, even areas where I think we don't realize, like we have friends who feel like they won't be fully whole or happy. And, and it, this is very common among like our society. So it's not a judgmental statement, but so many people that are like, oh, I won't be happy until I have a partner or I won't be happy until I reach this goal weight, or I won't be happy until I get my dream job. Like all of these limitations that exist outside yes. of ourselves. And, yeah. and it becomes and, so, and, and, so yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, just think about the one thing you mentioned. Okay, investing your happiness in the partner. Just mm-hmm. think for a moment about what kind of a burden that puts on the partner, right? That that partner has to be the source of your okay. It has to be the solution to your life. And meanwhile, they're trying to make you the solution to their life. They're trying to make you the one that contains the happiness molecules for in, in that relationship. And, you know, it's, it's no wonder that so many relationships fall apart. Yeah, sure. No, that's, that's a lot of pressure. And I, I do think that something that Julia and I have learned through our own <laughs> relationships and whatnot is how important it is to just really be, you know, a whole person uh, yes. before being able to really connect with someone else. Because I know for both of us, like as we've been unraveling who we really are and who what we really want out of our lives, our relationships have gotten so much better and deeper because we've gotten so much more clear on what we want. And because we've done our best to maybe if we haven't quite, you know, I don't even want to say mastered because you're right. Like we get to choose how we spend that time. We get to choose how we mm-hmm. feel. Um, and it's just gotten so much better as we've started to kind of loosen those reins. But I will say um, something that I really love about what you allude to when it comes to okayness is that it's in de- like you can't define okayness for me and I can't define it for you because it's different for both of us. And it's going to hit. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the reason why. Tell thank, me. You for, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. When, when the, the awe that I settle back into and the awe that you settle back into. Mm-hmm. And the awe that I settle back into from when I drink tea and the awe that you settle into the, the external. And I think think maybe this is what you're alluding to. What I'm alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The external situation that, that um, facilitates our settling back into it might be very different. I like, I like, you know, Wes Anderson movies and maybe you like (laughs) somebody else's movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, but we both walk out of the theater going, Ah, that was great. But the mm. awe is the same. And this is what all the all the sages have said, because sense. ultimately, that's the place the now I'll use a fancy word for a moment. That is the transcendent. It, mm. It's the it is that level of existence that transcends that is beyond or actually that is prior to thinking, feeling, um, l- looking and seeing, oh, I've got this body, I'm in this place. I'm when one of my favorite things that happens is when a new person participates in one of my meditation sessions. And at the end, we open our eyes and I ask, you know, any questions and they raise their hand. And I, when I see this particular look in the eye, I always know what they're going to say. And they say, how long was that? How long was that? Was that five minutes? Was that an hour? And the reason that they say that is that time is up there on the surface of the mind where the waves are also space. So when we settle here, we're settling to a place where there's no time, mm-hmm. no space, yeah. no anything. Mm-hmm. So it's just being, yeah. not no doing, no thinking, no feeling. It's just being. Now, 
on the level of the waves, on the level of, of, of time and space and cause and effect and matter and energy, there's all kind. there's difference. Everything has qualities and the quality of this object or event is going to be different from the qualities, the characteristics of this object or event. But when we get down to, ah, being, being is just being, there's no qualities. So there's nothing to be different. Mine can't be different from yours because it just is. Right. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yours is purple and mine is yellow or something because yeah. it has no color, no size, no texture, no nothing. And I can, I can trot out you know, the, like the, the Buddhist texts about this. There's the, you know, the Prajnaparamita Sutra uh, that says, you know, no, no, I, no, nose, no, right? And they just mm -hmm. go through all the, the levels, all the realms of, of usual experience where we see difference. And no, it's the place where that's all gone. It's all transcendent. Yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. Thank you for, yeah. for putting it in that way because I feel like it, 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 it's just way more able to be like comprehended in that sense. Everybody knows that Brenna and I are super big on habits and having and maintaining habits that help us live our best lives. And sometimes we need a little help tracking those habits so that we can make sure we're staying on top of things in order to reach our goals, whatever our goals may be. And that's why today we're talking about Noom. Noom is a great tool to help you track your habits in order to reach your health and wellness goals, whatever they may be, if you have them, which if you don't, all good. But if you have a health or wellness goal, Noom is a great tool to help you out. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. And again, this is so personal. And Noom understands that everybody's goals are unique and what works for someone else might not work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible. It focuses on progress and not perfection, which we love, allowing you to work towards your goals at a pace that is comfortable and right for you, whatever those goals may be. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Going back to, to, to practical matters, though, this, yeah. this business of partnership. Okay, I'll, I'll let you in on a little, on a little pro tip here. Um, okay. Uh, I met both of my wives. My first wife passed away in 2004, and then I, I remarried in 2010. I met both of my wives on meditation retreats. Mm -hmm. Okay. Way better than singles bars. <laughs> that's so for anyone out there dating go to a meditation retreat yeah go to go, go to go to go to a meditate you know if you want to if there's something in you first of all if there's something in you that says oh this is yeah i want to explore that yeah. that inner place you want to go to the meditation retreat anyway or just start coming on my zoom sessions and mm -hmm. and 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 integrating this into your life you don't have to go on a retreat for that but then you know one way or another on a retreat or, or somehow, if you want to find other people who are, have this orientation, then I, I think you're going to do better. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all the romantic advice I have. <laughs> that's good advice. I love that advice. And you know, anyone would be so lucky to meet someone like Dean. So go out there and get to it. I'm, I'm taken. <laughs> <laughs> but someone like you, yes. well, I don't know if there yeah. are that I'm, many good I'm, ones I'm, like I'm, that I'm, out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ta I'm taken and I'm too old. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, back to the okayness thing. I've I've certainly experienced that many times, a lot, most of the time through meditation, but how do we get better? I don't know mm -hmm. if there's an answer to this. How yeah. do we get better at like sustaining that in between the practices, in between right. the meditation practices? Because right. I still struggle there. Right, 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 right. No, that is just a great question. Um, because if it's just, okay, for 15 minutes, a day you're sitting there and ah everything's okay everything's great and then you come back and it's the same old crap right. then you know um th that's no good the well two things thing number one is that meditation is all about the carryover mm. 
It's like if you take a dry sponge and you throw it into a bucket of water, it's going to come out sopping wet, right? So when you first open your eyes at the end of the meditation session, it's not like, ah, everything's great, it's okay. Then you open your eyes, crap, everything sucks again. Uh, but, but, But to a certain degree, that okayness and everything that goes with it, the centeredness, the calmness, the greater alertness, literally, people sometimes open their eyes after meditation, they go, oh, gee, somehow the colors in the room are more vivid than I remembered them being. Yep. Because literally, you're, every, all the parts of the engine cool off and they, and they function better. Yep. And so more and more that carries over into the day. The whole, ultimately, the aim of meditation is to not have to meditate anymore. So you're just walking around in that place of okayness all the time. And again, you know, I can quote you the text, Bhagavad Gita, chapter two, verse 48, yoga sta kuru karmani. Yoga sta means yoga. You know the word yoga, which means, doesn't mean twisting yourself into pretzel. Yoga means union, union, and, and, and specifically the union of the individual mind with your true nature, which is, you know, what we were just saying, just the boundless beingness right? That's what we experience in meditation. But yoga sta, sta means established, Mm. right? That's the key. More and more we get established in that so that we can come out and it's, we're still there even as we're acting. And that's the second part of that sentence. Yoga sta, established in yoga, kuru karmani, perform action, right? So, and in fact, that advice is given in the whole, all the wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita is given, which is the most popular enlightenment text in India. The advice is not given to a monk in a cave. It's given to a warrior just before he goes into battle, right? And that's to make the point. We all have whatever is our, you know, challenging kind of battlefield of life. We all have to, you know, suit up and get in there and do the thing. Uh, and this is the way to do it, to, to, to first settle back within yourself into that place of, of peace and, and happiness that doesn't depend on anything. Then you come out more and more, you can deal with everything. So that's the one answer to your question. The second answer is that there are a lot of um, little on the spot techniques, and I give several of them in the book yes. for dealing with stuff in in the moment in the moment one of them for example and we could do this right now 30 seconds worth of this and anyone anyone listening and watching can can do this um very simply breathe through your feet so on your next inhale as you're breathing in maybe you want to breathe a little more deeply and slowly than usual just imagine you're breathing in through the soles of your feet and feeling the breath coming up somewhere in the direction of your head coming up through your body and now breathe out through the soles of your feet and again breathe in through the soles of your feet and breathe out through the soles of your feet and one more time breathing in through the soles of the feet and breathing out through the soles of the feet. And done. How are you feeling? So grounded, so present. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. I have to say, you know, if I'm being fully transparent, I've had a pretty chaotic past couple of hours. Uh-huh. Um, and that was incredibly grounding to just take a beat. Yeah. <laughs> like in all yeah. sincerity. That's simple. That's that's simple. Yeah. And, and I love how simple it is. I love, you know, some people listening to this might never sit down and close your eyes and meditate. You might never take a look at any of my books. You might never join in my Zoom session, never go on a meditation retreat. But if the one thing you get is, oh, breathe through my feet. You know, when I'm running late, I'm trying to get to the, the job interview or the date or whatever it is. I'm sitting at the red light. You know that thing you're sitting at the red light trying to make it turn green faster? Doesn't work. Yes, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but we still keep trying. uh, uh, Okay, so here, by the way, that's what the Buddha called the second noble truth, which is you create your own suffering. 
right there that mm, trying to make the red light turn green, even though you know it doesn't work. The Buddha's third noble truth, the important one, is how to stop suffering, which is don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. recognize deep in your bones that it doesn't work and never will. And then yeah. really, truly let that go. This is, you know, what I was getting at earlier with you'll never be slim enough. You'll never be cool enough. Just throw it away, throw it away. But in any case, so fine, you're sitting at the red light. And instead of sitting there straining, clutching, you know, the steering wheel with the death grip, sit back in the seat and breathe through your feet a couple of times. Yep. Yeah. If that's all you get from hearing this today, great. Yeah, and it, it it's really a big something. That's not a little something. And it is the that just remembering that tool can help us so much like sustain the in between the meditation or if you never do the meditation, because it it like you said, it just carries through. Yep. And it only gets easier, I find. Like I've been practicing meditation for quite a while now and I am so much quicker. To, to be able to yeah. come back to the center part, to the ground yes. part, then mm. going on the spiral, the anxiety spiral, the feel spiral that I would normally have gone down. I'm not perfect yet, but mm -hmm. I've definitely gotten better and it's definitely gotten easier because I have tools like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, it's like the first time you drive to, you know, a new, whatever, a new job, a new college or something. And it seems like such a long drive. Yeah. And then it gets more and more familiar and it just seems to go like that. It's the same thing. It just becomes familiar. Yeah. So by the way, if people go to my website, uh, which is deanslider.com, slider's hard to spell, but you're going to, you're going to post, you're going to good. Cause it's got a U in it. S-L-U-Y-T-E-R. <laughs> we'll put it uh, in the notes. Don't worry. Excellent. Thank you. So right. And right on the homepage, you'll see there's a link to a video that I made uh, it's called something like uh, five quick ways to cut through anxiety. And one of them is breathing through the feet. And then I've got four more and, and they're all, they, they, they're all really good and, and fast like that real kind of quick fix things. Yeah. Dean, Dean's website is full of incredible tools and quick things like that. Uh, the meditation number one that yes. you have on there, that's on your YouTube page from, mm. the, from the chapter of the book. It mm -hmm. is like been the best thing to put me to sleep. I, that one like helps me go to sleep. And I have, I'm a really have trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I've found that that natural meditation has just helped me Great. so much. So I Great. absolutely will link that. There are so many incredible tools on there. We have a couple of more questions for you, Dean, before we mm -hmm. let you go, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we've we've talked about this a lot like about this like fear and anxiety that we have in our 20s of like needing to have it all together you you did this chapter where you redefined dis the word disoriented and you talked about i don't want to rephrase your your words but if you could talk about that no go bit, no go ahead rephrase it because i don't remember what i said you talked about how when we take a moment to realize that disoriented it does not mean that we're lost that it means like we're we are somewhere that we didn't mean to be. So it's like, we have all of this new opportunity uh -huh. like that really resonated with me. Cause I think, you know, on this, on this fake timeline that we all have seem right. to have in our twenties, we can feel like, okay, like I'm not there yet. So I just have to keep right. struggling and pushing and trying to flatten the waves. Like we said earlier, but mm -hmm. it opened my eyes a bit to say, okay, I'm, I'm not there but I, I am here and like, what opportunities do I have here. where I am? I'm not yeah. lost. I am literally mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Yep. And so I just, I just love that. And it really, it changed my way of thinking about good, that good, good. fake timeline that we all have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure if I, as I say, I don't remember if I put this in the book or not, but that word or those words oriented and disoriented, yeah. you know, they come from the word orient, which means East. So to be oriented literally means to be facing the East, right? You know, I don't know if it comes from, you know, Muslims playing, praying toward Mecca or, or, you know, people setting up their houses so that the, the front door faces the rising sun or whatever it is. But the idea is that there's one particular direction that you're supposed to be facing. Mm. And, 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 you know, that's just a concept. Yeah. That's just a concept. And all your concepts sooner or later uh, are going to get beat up, you know, because, because yeah. <laughs> concepts are just made out of thoughts, 
They're not, they're not reality. They're just thoughts. And when an old concept gets beat up, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a tendency to, to hold on to it and to, and just to grip it for, for dear life, even though it doesn't work anymore, you know? Uh, and whereas if instead you take the attitude that, oh, my old concept is, is gotten, you know, blown up, that gives me a, a chance to look fresh and see what's real. What's the, what's the new approach? What's the new, you know, I, this story, one of my teachers told once this, a woman was, was got up at a mic at another one of these retreats, got up to the mic and said, I lost my job. I lost my marriage. I lost my, I lost, you know, every, everything. And, um, and the teacher said, well, he said, let me tell you a little story. He said, you know, when you fall out of an airplane without a parachute, right? There's a tendency to be going, ah, you know, flailing around like this. Okay. See? Now, what if, as you're flailing around, you see another person that's fallen out of the airplane, and they're just, they're just like, like chilling. They're, they're just <laughs> laying back like this, like they're like, they're in a hammock, even though there's no hammock. Right? Yeah. What's, what's the difference there? You're, you're both sailing through the air, you're both in free fall. Notice the first part of that word free fall is free. free. It's freedom. Everyone says they love freedom, but then once they're given a dose of freedom, they start ah, trying to clutch for something. And so sure. what creates the anxiety there is not the new, the situation of freedom. What's creating the anxiety is that you're trying to clutch for something yes. old that's not available to you anymore. And when you re you just acknowledge that, recognize that, you know, it's one more thing to throw into the fire. And yeah, I have, for I've, sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah go I, ahead, Jim. I just, I, I found that every time that I thought, you know, the building has burned down, that yes. I have only then moved into a higher, better, more free version of myself after the building. Yes. yes, absolutely. And in fact, it's, it's so interesting, you use that particular expression, there's a famous story, and I've got it in one of my books it might be that book, a uh, famous story about a, a samurai, who was also a, a poet. Um, and he became very successful. Is that in fearless? Good. He became very successful and rich. And he had all his possessions, all his wealth was stored in in this barn. And, um, you know, they didn't have insurance in those days. And one day his barn burned down and he wrote the following poem, barns burnt down. Now I can see the moon. Love there that. it is. And there that makes it you is. want to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really does. And, and I, I relate so deeply with Julia and probably with everyone that I think sometimes it's so easy to be like, why is this happening to me? Or to let any sort of challenges kind of, yeah. you know, make us question what's going on or why it's happening. And it's like, we've had so many conversations, Julia and I, of like understanding the purpose down the line um, and really seeing that certain things are placed in our lives or put in our way or what feels like in our way, but are really you know, meant for us. And yes. I just think it, we've been shedding, you know, since we started this podcast, it's been two years now, and we've been friends for a lifetime. And we have just shed so many layers that didn't serve us over time mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have known in the moment, yep. right? We can't blame our past selves for not knowing, but mm -hmm. what we know now, and just everything has gotten so much deeper, so much better, because we've opened our hearts to that and it's it's just been so beautiful so you did just mention this and we have to give you an opportunity to talk about um your new book so you yes. kind of alluded to it we would love to hear a little bit about what that is about share with us where can we find it all that good stuff mm -hmm. yes and actually it's a great segue because this book came about partly because of one of those sheddings happening to me through mm. long story i won't go into but i had published five books uh i lost my old publisher, my, my agent died. Uh, and I thought, this is it. I'm never going to get published again. Yada, yada, yada. I wound up with the perfect publisher to finally write the book that I had literally been writing in my head for over 45 years. Wow. And this one just came out last week. It was published on March 29th. It's called The Dharma Bum's Guide to Western Literature, mm -hmm. Finding Nirvana in the Classics. So basically, this takes 
you know, everything we've been talking about for the last hour, all, all the, you know, Dharma really means the, the path of awakening, awakening to freedom, awakening to the awe, uh, and integrates it with what I did for my day job for 33 years, which was teaching English at this fancy prep school. Because what happened was for me, all those years of doing both, I started to notice, gee, when Huck Finn pushes the, go, runs away from his brutal alcoholic father and gets into the canoe in the middle of the, of the Mississippi River and lies on his back and looks up into the moonlight. And he says, the sky looks ever so deep when you lay on your back in the moonlight. I never knowed it before. I went, whoa, that's the baptism. That's the initiation into the transcendent into everything that the Buddha and Jesus and Socrates and Lao Tzu, all those people were talking about. So what I do in this book is I take a lot of books, most of which you read or you were supposed to read in English or in college. So it's Huckleberry Finn, Moby Dick, uh, The Great Gatsby, poetry by Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman, well, mostly classics like that. And for fun, I threw in uh, Dr. Seuss, The Cat in the Hat. I threw in uh, a, a, a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, Oklahoma, because if the if nirvana is what it's supposed to be, if it's realized, I was saying before, this ah, this I is infinite, it has to be everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It has to be everywhere. And just, you know, my particular the way my particular crazy mind works is to find it in, you know, between the lines of, of a poem or a song oh, lyric or something. So that's oh, what I do here. So fun. Well, we can't wait to read it. Um, yeah. Oh, oh and, right and yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have a lot of fun with this one. And uh, your question, where to find it? This and all my books uh, are available on Amazon, uh, paperback, Kindle, and audio narrated by yours truly. Perfect. And I will link all of that in the show notes. And like we said before, Dean's Perfect. website and everywhere that you can find him and all of the books and all of the amazing videos and tools that he has to offer because they really are so life-changing. Um, but Dean, we have one last question for you before we let you go. We ask this yes. to all of our guests. Mm -hmm. If you could tell 20-year-old Dean one mm -hmm. thing, what would you tell him? Take it easy without everything. Oh, dear one. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry <laughs> everything's going to be fine oh, i love it yes. i love it thank love you. it and we, and we needed to hear it <laughs> yes, thank you so much for being here with us it, truly an honor you your work is incredible and it has influenced both brenda and i so much and we can't thank you enough for giving us your time and your wisdom and we're just very grateful to have you today thank you it's a total pleasure absolutely thank you so much goodbye everybody Bye, everyone thanks for listening to roaring 20s podcast be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe you're never alone our pride sticks together tune in every monday and thursday for new episodes of roaring 20s podcast get to start your week with us and end your week with us with love Brenda and Julia Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.